DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents What Am I to Do? The Discernment of God's Will in Everyday Decisions with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University, and he has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teaching about the spiritual life. Father Gallagher is the author of seven books published by the Crossroad Publishing Company on the spiritual teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series, Living the Discerning Life. What am I to do? The discernment of God's will in everyday decisions with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father Gallagher. And thanks again, Chris. We've been discussing the important modes of discernment, the means by which we can try to discern the will of God. And when I say try to discern, that's the best we can do, isn't it? Well, yes, that's the best we can do, but we have God's guarantee that when we're doing our best, that's all that we need to do. And God will see to it that uh, the clarity we seek will come in his own way and in his own time. But it's it's precisely to help us do the best we can do in discerning God's will that St. Ignatius gives us, this teaching. Because what can seem otherwise formless and confused and difficult, and we're just not even sure how to begin discerning, resolves into the clarity of a process. We know the steps. We know the means we need to use. And what we're discussing now is how once we're using those means, we'll begin to get a sense of how God has answered. Because obviously, God doesn't speak to us the way you and I are speaking to each other right now, audibly, Mm -hmm. but does give us clear indications of what he is saying to us. And that's one of the, 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 the remarkable gifts among many that come to the church through St. Ignatius of Loyola. When a person is doing his or her best, praying in spiritual direction, if it's an important discernment, close to the Eucharist, growing in knowledge of Jesus, using all the spiritual means, a heart open to whichever alternative God will want, how will that person know that he or she has now really heard God's response? That, that's the question St. Ignatius is discussing here. Now, obviously, what he says here in these three modes can apply to a whole range of discernments, particularly the more important discernments that we may face in life. As we've said many times, things like career choices or uh, significant choices for the family, should we move for a new job opportunity or stay here, and, and similar kinds of choices. What we'd said is that a first way, a first mode in which God will give his answer St. Ignatius tells us, is to give us a clarity beyond doubting. Sometimes God will do that. It will just be so clear to us that that, um, not only do we not doubt, but we can't doubt. And we see very clearly what the call is. We had quoted last time the experience of Anne, who during the retreat that she makes as a senior in high school has that powerful experience when she knows beyond any doubting at all that God is calling her to the religious life and to a specific community within the religious life. And that clarity never wavered. She never hesitated in that clarity, simply could not doubt that throughout the years of of her life. And that clarity beyond doubting was the, the bedrock of the discernment that gave her peace in pursuing her call as a religious throughout the rest of her life. 
I also quoted the experience of Gary, who would go on to become Father Gary, in which God gave that same kind of clarity, but in a much less dramatic way. Uh, it was simply something that emerged in as he went through elementary school and, and into high school, a deep, solid, unshakable clarity that God is calling me. And again, it was a clarity that he could never doubt throughout the years of his priesthood, eventually did join the seminary and go on to become a priest. Now, if we are wondering whether God has given us that kind of answer, first mode, clarity, beyond doubting, it is always wise, especially if it is a significant discernment, to speak with a wise, competent, spiritual person for guidance in this. We are always better off if we're not simply on our own. And for St. Ignatius, the presumption is always when we're dealing with serious discernments that we aren't doing this on our own, that we are speaking with a person of real spiritual competence and wisdom. So that someone like Anne or Gary would be wise to meet with a priest, a good spiritual director, and discuss the experience, discuss the discernment, uh, so that they can go forward with the surety of an external confirmation by one who is wise, so that it isn't simply um, a question that's left to themselves. Because sometimes what will happen is that we'll feel a certain clarity, we'll wonder, well, is this first mode discernment? Has God answered me with the clarity beyond doubting? And it's in that situation that we'd find it enormously helpful not to be alone, so that when we do go forward with the discernment of this kind of importance, we do it with a real surety that we've done all the steps that we've gone through the process. Well, and in fact, as I've said, St. Ignatius would say that is always wise when we're dealing with these three modes of discernment, when it is an important discernment. Now, what happens if one of us is praying, is using all the spiritual means we spoke about earlier, and has not reached a clarity beyond doubting? is still unsure. Then St. Ignatius says, God may be calling this person to discern according to a second mode, which I've summed up by calling it an attraction of the heart. Let me read St. Ignatius' own words in which he describes what he means. It's just a very short single sentence. And he says, the second time or second mode is when sufficient clarity and understanding is received through experience of consolations and desolations, and through experience of discernment of different spirits. Now, many of us, um, if we've listened to any of these earlier conversations, will find their attention immediately caught by the vocabulary there of discernment of spirits and consolations and desolations. In an earlier series of conversations, we went through this at really at great length. St. Ignatius has 14 rules on this, and it's obviously impossible here and in this setting to go through all of that again. So let me warm, I will say something about it, but obviously can't go into it in the, the depth and clarity that we could in a different setting. So I would warmly invite anyone who is seeking light on an important discernment and is desirous of being helped by St. Ignatius' teaching to take the time to learn more about his teaching on discernment of spirits. This is where we can see that the two kinds of discernment of which St. Ignatius speaks come together. That is, discerning the will of God, which is our topic. That is, I face a specific choice and I am seeking to discern which choice God wants. 
And then secondly, discernment of spirits, which is discernment with regard to the ups and downs of the daily spiritual life, what St. Ignatius calls spiritual consolation and spiritual desolation, getting to understand those two different experiences so that I can identify them when they happen in my life and know how to respond to them. That is, to avoid the enemy's discouragements and temptations and traps through spiritual desolation in time of spiritual desolation, and to open my heart to receive fully and richly the warmth, the grace, the light, the joy, the hope that the Lord pours into my heart through the gift of spiritual consolation in times of spiritual consolation in my life. Let's let's pause, however, briefly just to say just a little bit about those two experiences and that will be in, actually uh, irreplaceably important when we turn to explaining more what St. Ignatius means in this second mode of discernment. So firstly, spiritual consolation. In our other set of talks, I quoted a selection from the diary of Raisa Maritain, the wife of the French Catholic philosopher Jacques Maritain, in which she describes an experience of prayer one morning. She's been to Mass, and she now has a quiet time of prayer and begins praying by beginning to say the litany of the Sacred Heart. And she never gets past the first invocation, Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. As she pronounces those words in her heart, she's absorbed right there. She can't go on any further. And her heart, her mind, her whole interior being finds itself focused on the person of the Heavenly Father with a deep sense of sweetness, with a deep attraction for the Heavenly Father and what she calls the eternal youth of the Heavenly Father that she experienced with a very keen sense of his closeness, of his tenderness toward her and the the deep love which he has for her, which leads him to want our love. And she writes, Greatly moved, I wept very sweet tears. Joy of being able to call him Father with a great tenderness, to feel him so kind and so close to me. These are beautiful experiences Such experiences are holy ground in a person's life. And this is the kind of experience that St. Ignatius describes as spiritual consolation. When our hearts lift up in a happy sense of God's closeness, in a happy sense of God's love, in a happy sense of our safety in the Lord, and with a warm sense of confidence and hope and trust that he will see us through, I I also quoted another experience when St. Therese of the Child Jesus was in the Garden of the Carmel and found herself looking at a hen beneath a tree in front of her in the garden with wings outstretched and the, the little heads of the chicks peeping out from the safety of their mother's wings and found herself charmed by that scene and then found herself thinking that this is the image that God uses in the scriptures to describe his faithful protecting love for us. Hide me in the shelter of your wings. Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you as a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings. As she sees this, and these thoughts are going through her her mind and her heart, a very, very deep sense of gratitude wells up within her that moves her to, to tears because she realizes that what she's seeing before her is the image of her own life. That's what God has always done throughout her life, is through all the many trials of her life, which were not few. She can recognize, looking back, that's really the way God had always worked in her life, keeping her safe in the shelter of his wings. And a deep, deep, warm gratitude wells up in her heart, which leads her to to shed 
tears to the point in which she can't even speak, and only later that evening explains to her sister what was going on in her heart. This too would be a very beautiful experience of what St. Ignatius means by spiritual consolation. Now, I know that as I give those examples, that all of us can remember times in our own lives, times of prayer, uh, times throughout the day when our hearts have been blessed with that kind of uplifting, happy movement in the Lord, when we have felt the Lord's closeness. Maybe I was praying with Psalm 23, though I walk in a dark valley, I fear no evil. You are with me with your rod and your staff that give me courage. And I feel my heart lift up a bit from the heaviness that's been there throughout the day, maybe because of a medical situation I'm facing or financial struggles or issues in the family. And a warm sense, maybe gently or maybe even more strongly, fills my heart that, Lord, you'll be with me. No matter how dark this valley will prove to be, you'll see me safely through. And something happy in the Lord wells up in my heart. These are experiences of spiritual consolation. Let me read St. Ignatius' own description of what he means by spiritual consolation. And we'll see very quickly why it's important that we take time on this for discerning God's will. So he says, this, this is spiritual consolation. I call it consolation when some interior movement is caused in the soul through which the soul comes to be inflamed with love of its creator and Lord. So there is Raisa who suddenly has that warm sense of the love of the Heavenly Father and her heart in Ignatius' expression is inflamed with love of her creator and Lord, warmed in that love, made joyful in it. Consequently, Ignatius continues, when it can love no created thing on the face of the earth in itself, but only in the creator of them all. So that our hearts love all things and all persons and all the, the many things which are a part of our, our lives in the truest and deepest sense in, in God, warmed by that kind of uplift of heart. And then tears, uh, likewise, when it sheds tears that move to love of its Lord. And Ignatius goes on to give some examples of this. Let's say the We'll say the woman who is praying with Psalm 23 and the dark moment in her life. She sits at the kitchen table at a quiet moment with the Bible open and reads Psalm 23 and comes to those words, though I walk in a dark valley, I fear no evil. And her heart is gently warmed with the sense that you, Lord, will be with me. And the beginning, maybe just the beginning of a tear comes to her, to her eyes. These would be blessed experiences of spiritual consolation when the heart's joy in the Lord is expressed even physically through this kind of tears. And, and again, we can all think of experiences of this kind and we remember them with deep gratitude, as we should. They're, they're beautiful gifts of God's grace, strengthening, clarifying. Then Ignatius speaks of consolation as an increase of faith, hope, and charity. I spend 20 minutes every day praying with Scripture, it's been dry and difficult the last few days. I am faithful, so I get everything ready and I begin my prayer this morning with the sense that it's going to be just as dry and difficult as the preceding days. Begin to read through the scripture. Something touches my heart and a gentle warmth and just a breath of spiritual warmth comes into my heart. And I find myself thinking, Lord, I'm glad that I'm here. You may have more yet to give me in the time of this prayer. These would be experiences of that increase of hope of which Ignatius speaks, and likewise, increase of faith and charity. And then Ignatius finally speaks of spiritual joy that calls and attracts our hearts to the things of heaven and the things of salvation. When our hearts are happy in the Lord, in times of spiritual consolation, 
we look forward to prayer. We look forward to going down to the parish for the faith formation or Bible study meeting. Being there for a daily mass draws us. We, we find it happy and welcome to be in the church. We leave a little bit reluctantly even. We look forward to times of prayer or to taking new steps to live our vocation in our different states of life. In the time of spiritual consolation, there is a spiritual joy that calls and attracts us to spiritual things or things of heaven as Ignatius calls them. Now, if there is spiritual consolation, there is also its exact contrary, which is spiritual desolation. And here too, when we were going through this in our other set of talks, I quoted the example of Alice, uh, a woman who, very, very faithful disciple of the Lord, um, deep life of prayer, involvement in her parish for many years. And then when she and the family moved to a new city, she joined her local parish, but found it more difficult in this setting to get engaged in the life of the parish. And after a number of months had gone by, began to feel somewhat discouraged about this. And then the discouragement spread even to her prayer. Prayer began to feel kind of empty. She began to feel as though she was distant from the Lord, almost abandoned by the Lord in some way. And it began to get burdensome to her. She began to doubt whether her faith was as strong in the Lord as it had been before then. As she describes her experience, she remains very faithful to her daily life of prayer and her involvement in the parish. But everything about it now seems, as she says, hopeless and meaningless. It's difficult, it's dry, the joy has gone out of it. And this too will approach with reverence because these two are deep places in our experience. And we've all had experiences in our different circumstances, like Alice's experience. These would be experiences that Ignatius describes as spiritual desolation. That is when there's a heaviness of heart on the level of our spiritual life, on the level of our prayer, on the level of our relationship with the Lord and our involvement in, in the church. These are experiences, for example, of darkness of soul. When everything seems confused, it's like Alice. Everything now, it all seems so clear and she was moving forward so solidly and clearly before. And now everything's just kind of gotten mired in a confusion. <laughs> Nothing is clear anymore. There's a heavy darkness in her spiritual life. These are experiences of spiritual desolation. I will repeat here what I, I think it's so important to say whenever we speak of spiritual desolation, that there is no shame in experiencing spiritual desolation. Every disciple of the Lord who loves the Lord will experience at times something of what Ignatius calls spiritual desolation. There's no shame in that at all. What matters very much is that we be aware of what's going on, that we be able to name it for the uh, enemy's discouraging tactic and lie that it is, and that we know how to reject it. Now, the answer to how we reject it is most of that 16, set of 16 conferences that we went through before. And so, again, I'll refer anyone who's interested to any of these other settings where we've gone through this more in detail. Disturbance in the soul, peace is gone, something upsetting, gnawing and disturbing as I try to pray, as I try to live my spiritual life. If in the joy of spiritual consolation there is an attraction to heavenly things, here the pull is toward what Ignatius calls low and earthly things. So that in this evening time when normally I pray and I'm happy to spend some time in prayer, in a time of spiritual desolation, with the discouragement, feeling uh, a distance from the Lord, 
and a heaviness. It's very easy for me at times like this to feel the pull, let's say, to go on the internet again and spend more time than I should and go where I shouldn't on it or to pick up the remote and get up 45 minutes or an hour and a half later and, and a number of other things. In, in time of spiritual desolation, in the discouragement of it, there will be a, a pull toward low and earthly things. Now, obviously, the internet and television and so on, these things can be used well, but I think every one of us knows what Ignatius is talking about, a pull in a different, toward a different use of these and other things. Maybe to go to a place where I know it isn't good for me spiritually, um, be a part of conversations that are not good and so on. Disquiet from various agitations and temptations in the heaviness of spiritual desolation. The enemy's temptations float in and out. Why don't you let your prayer go till later? You can let yourself look at that and so on. And if there is a, an increase of faith, hope, and charity in consolation, there is a corresponding weakening or decrease in spiritual desolation. So these are the times when I think of the this evening's meeting of faith formation in the parish, which I've loved for the past six months. But now in a time of spiritual desolation, everything in me just says, why even bother going? Nothing's going to change. All right, these, these are experiences, again, of spiritual desolation. We find ourselves, Ignatius says, feeling totally slothful, tepid, sad, no energy for prayer, no energy for spiritual things. And we feel as if, advisedly as if because it's not true, but we feel as if separated from our Creator and Lord. So these would be experiences of spiritual desolation. Now, in second-mode discernment, what Ignatius came to see through his own experience and the experience of the many people who came to him for help, for help was that if we are discerning and if we are attentive to experiences of spiritual consolation and experiences of spiritual desolation, what Ignatius is saying is that God is working in the time of spiritual consolation in the joy of that. God is counseling. God is speaking to our hearts in such times. Whereas in the time of spiritual desolation, it's the enemy who attempts to discourage us and bring his lies and discouraging um, thoughts. If we are attentive in a time of discernment to experiences of spiritual consolation and spiritual desolation, we may come to see over time that when we are in the experience of spiritual consolation, we consistently feel an attraction toward one of the two options. And when we are in times of spiritual desolation, that attraction toward that option gets attacked. And just the opposite pull begins to make itself felt. Since it is God who works in times of spiritual consolation, in this set of 14 rules that Ignatius is describing, and it is always the enemy who works in time of spiritual desolation, over enough time we can begin to get what Ignatius calls sufficient clarity and understanding. If I consistently feel drawn over enough time to this vocation or this other vocation in time of spiritual consolation, and this goes on over enough time, then I begin to understand or to discern that this is where God is actually leading me. All the more if, in a time of spiritual desolation, I feel just the opposite pull, because now it's the enemy who's trying to discourage and confuse. Let's look at this in an experience of St. Ignatius himself. This was in the latter years of his life when he was writing the constitutions for the Jesuits. 
it was very important, obviously, then what he would write, because what he would write was going to impact, as it has, thousands of future Jesuits, and through them, tens and tens and many more thousands of people with whom they would work down through the centuries. So this was clearly, um, these were this was a time of very important discernment. The particular discernment that he is facing now has to do with the vow of poverty that his Jesuits will take. And specifically, with regard to churches that they are asked to take, they've been asked to take a church in Rome, and the church had certain, a certain revenues attached to it. Now, they'd been living until that time a, a pretty radical poverty. It was a Franciscan-like poverty. They simply had no fixed revenues, and they completely depended on the Lord for all of their material needs, food and shelter and, and all the rest. And now they had been asked to take this church, which had a certain revenue attached to it, which was to be used for the upkeep of the church and its maintenance and proper decor in the the liturgy and the mass and the rest. And they had understood when they had taken that church that God willed that they accept that income, not for their own use, obviously, but for the sake of the church so that the people would be better served. And now Ignatius is revisiting that discernment and wondering whether God wants them to live that, even that, small mitigation of their poverty, or whether God simply wants an across-the-board radical poverty. And what he does is he celebrates Mass on a number of days, seeking from the Lord the grace to know. And he, he watches what happens in the experience, his spiritual experience during the Mass and throughout these days. On the first of these days, and I'm quoting his spiritual diary, during the Mass, Ignatius experienced a deep devotion with tears and a deep sense of confidence in Our Lady. Now you can hear that what I'm describing there is spiritual consolation. And he says, in that spiritual consolation, an inclination toward the more radical poverty. And that same inclination continued throughout the entirety of the day. The next day, as he celebrated Mass, the same thing happened. A warm, happy, deep experience of spiritual consolation. And again, in the spiritual consolation, a strong inclination toward the more radical poverty. And that sense of consolation and that inclination toward the more radical poverty again continued throughout the day. The next day, again, the same thing. Deep spiritual consolation at Mass, and again, both at Mass and throughout the day, the clear inclination toward the more radical poverty. Now, you can see, we'll continue this next time, but you can see what's developing here, a pattern that in time of spiritual consolation, there is a clear inclination toward one of the two options. We'll complete this and fill this out next time, but that's the kernel of what Ignatius means by the second mode of discernment through the attraction of the heart. And there's a great way of reviewing as well that they can always go back to the more fuller teachings that you provided for us on these roles that St. Ignatius offered in the spiritual exercises, in the recordings that we did before. That's absolutely important for second mode discernment, and it's simply a help for life in general. Well, I look forward to our continuing our discussion because there's just so much more to cover. Yes, uh, there, there is much more, and we'll continue this next time. Thank you so much, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to What Am I to Do?, the discernment of God's will in everyday decisions. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. 
We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to support our efforts. But most of all, we ask that you tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for What Am I to Do? The Discernment of God's Will in Everyday Decisions with Father Timothy Gallagher.